Hey everyone, welcome back to the Children of Our Lady podcast, brought to you by the Catholic Family Podcast. My name is Thomas, and I thank you all for being here today. Well, the end of a journey is upon us. Here on today's episode of the Children of Our Lady podcast, we conclude the first part of The Glories of Mary, the book that we've been essentially going through since the beginning. Of course, there's been a few times based on feast days or what have you that we may have looked into other books, but the majority of our episodes have been centered around this first part of The Glories of Mary, where St. Alphonsus breaks down the Hail Holy Queen prayer, the Salve Regina. And I know that I can say what I originally thought when I first read or listened to The Glories of Mary certainly still holds true, that this truly is a beautiful book, one of the greatest on Our Lady. And this is only the first part. That's why I'm excited to say that after reading the comments that you guys left on the last video, and after reflecting upon it myself, I don't see why we would veer away from the glories of Mary right now. As I agree, it is a book that I feel all of us should read, all of us should hear. So that's the plan, to begin the second part of the glories of Mary, which focuses more on the mysteries of Our Lady's life. How I'm going to structure it, I'm not entirely sure. These discourses are much longer, so I'm sure that there are going to be some that will span over at least two episodes, maybe even more. I guess I won't really know until I get there. I do have some ideas in my head for the Children of Our Lady podcast for the season of Lent, so my plan for now is to wait until after Easter to really get into the second part of the Glories of Mary. But however, that seems to be the plan, and I think it's the right choice for sure, which is to continue through this wonderful book, The Glories of Mary. So a special thanks to all of you who left a comment on last week's episode. And of course, I thank you all for being a part of this journey. It's been great thus far, and I'm excited to continue it, if God permits us to do so. But here on today's episode of the Children of Our Lady podcast, we conclude this first part of the Glories of Mary with chapter 10. And this is yet another beautiful chapter from this book, and a good conclusion to this first part. So I think we'll go ahead and get right into our reading of chapter 10, come back for a few more words, our quote, and our prayer to Our Lady. Chapter 10. O Sweet Virgin Mary. Of the sweetness of the name of Mary during life and at death. The great name of Mary, which was given to the Divine Mother, did not come to her from her parents, nor was it given to her by the mind or will of man, as is the case with all other names that are imposed in this world. But it came from heaven, and was given her by a divine ordinance. This is attested by St. Jerome, St. Epiphanius, St. Antoninus, and others. The name of Mary came from the treasury of the divinity, says St. Peter Damien. Ah, yes, O Mary, it was from that treasury that that high and admirable name came forth. For the most blessed trinity, says Richard of St. Lawrence, bestowed on thee a name above every other name after that of thy son, and ennobled it with such majesty and power that he willed that all heaven, earth, and hell, on only hearing it, should fall down and venerate it but I will give the author's own words. The Holy Trinity, O Mary, gave thee a name after that of thy Son above every other name, that in thy name every knee should bow, of things in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. But amongst the other privileges of the name of Mary, and which were given to it by God, we will now examine that of the peculiar sweetness found in it by the servants of this Most Holy Lady during life and in death. And in the first place, speaking of the course of our life, the holy anchoret Honorius used to say that this name of Mary is filled with every sweetness and divine savor. So much so that the glorious St. Anthony of Padua found the same sweetness in the name of Mary that St. Bernard found in that of Jesus. Name of Jesus, exclaimed the one. O name of Mary, replied the other. Joy in the heart, honey in the mouth, melody to the ear of her devout clients. 
It is narrated in the life of Venerable Father Juvenal Ancina, Bishop of Saluzzo, that in pronouncing the name of Mary he tasted so great and sensible a sweetness that, after doing so, he licked his lips. We read also that a lady at Cologne told the Bishop Massilius that as often as she uttered the name of Mary, she experienced a taste far sweeter than honey. The Bishop imitated her and experienced the same thing. We gather from the sacred canticles that on the assumption of our Blessed Lady, the angels asked her name three times. Who is she that goeth up by the desert as a pillar of smoke? Again, who is she that cometh forth as the morning rising? And again, who is this that cometh up from the desert, flowing with delights? And why, says Richard of St. Lawrence, do the angels so often ask the name of their queen? He answers that it was so sweet even to the angels to hear it pronounced, that they desired to hear that sweet name in reply. But here I do not intend to speak of that sensible sweetness, for it is not granted to all. I speak of that salutary sweetness of consolation, of love, of joy, of confidence, of strength, which the name of Mary ordinarily brings to those who pronounce it with devotion. The abbot Francone, speaking on this subject, says, There is no other name after that of the Son, in heaven or on earth, whence pious minds derive so much grace, hope, and sweetness. After the most sacred name of Jesus, the name of Mary is so rich in every good thing, that on earth and in heaven there is no other from which devout souls receive so much grace, hope, and sweetness. For, he continues, there is something so admirable, sweet, and divine in this name of Mary, that when it meets with friendly hearts it breathes into them an odor of delightful sweetness. And he adds, in conclusion, that the wonder of this great name is, that if heard by the lovers of Mary a thousand times, it is always heard again with renewed pleasure, for they always experience the same sweetness each time it is pronounced. The blessed Henry Suso, also speaking of this sweetness, says that when he named Mary, he felt himself so excited to confidence and inflamed with such love and joy, that between the tears and joy with which he pronounced the beloved name, he desired that his heart might leave his breast, for he declared that this most sweet name was like a honeycomb dissolving in the inmost recess of his soul. And then he would exclaim, O most sweet name, O Mary, what must thou thyself be, since thy name alone is thus amiable and gracious? The enamored St. Bernard, raising his heart to his good mother, says with tenderness, O great, O pious, O thou who art worthy of all praise, O most holy Virgin Mary, thy name is so sweet and amiable that it cannot be pronounced without inflaming those who do so with love towards thee and God. It only needs a cur to the thought of thy lovers to move them to love thee more and to console them. Thou canst not be named without inflaming. Thou canst not be thought of by those who love thee without filling their minds with joy. And if riches comfort the poor, because they relieve them in their distress, oh, how much more does thy name, O Mary, says Richard of St. Lawrence, comfort us than any earthly riches. It comforts us in the anguishes of this life. Thy name, O Mary, is far better than riches, because it can better relieve poverty. In fine, thy name, O Mother of God, is filled with divine graces and blessings, as St. Methodius says. So much so that St. Bonaventure declares that thy name, O Mary, cannot be pronounced without bringing some grace to him who does so devoutly. The blessed Raymond Giordano says that however hardened and diffident a heart may be, the name of this most blessed virgin has such efficacy that if it is only pronounced, that heart will be wonderfully softened. I will, however, give his own words. The power of thy most holy name, O ever-blessed Virgin Mary, is such that it softens the hardness of the human heart in a wonderful manner. He then tells us that it is she who leads sinners to the hope of pardon and grace. By thee does the sinner recover the hope of forgiveness and of grace. Thy most sweet name, O Mary, according to St. Ambrose, is a precious ointment which breathes forth the odor of divine grace. 
The saint then prays to the Divine Mother, saying, Let this ointment of salvation enter the inmost recesses of our souls. That is, grant, O Lady, that we may often remember to name Thee with love and confidence. For this practice either shows the possession of divine grace, or else is a pledge that we shall soon recover it. And truly it is so, O Mary, for the remembrance of thy name comforts the afflicted, recalls those who have erred to the way of salvation, and encourages sinners that they may not abandon themselves to despair. It is thus that Landolf of Saxony addresses her. And Father Pilbart says that as Jesus Christ by his five wounds gave a remedy for the evils of the world, so also does Mary by her most holy name, which is composed of five letters, daily bring pardon to sinners. For this reason is the holy name of Mary likened in the sacred canticles to oil. Thy name is as oil poured out. On these words, Blessed Alan says that the glory of her name is compared to oil poured out because oil heals the sick, sends out a sweet odor, and nourishes flames. Thus also does the name of Mary heal sinners, rejoice hearts, and inflame them with divine love. Hence, Richard of St. Lawrence encourages sinners to have recourse to this great name, because it alone will suffice to cure them of all their evils. And there is no disorder, however malignant, that does not immediately yield to the power of the name of Mary. On the other hand, Thomas A. Kempis affirms that the devils fear the Queen of Heaven to such a degree that on only hearing her great name pronounced, they fly from him who does so as from a burning fire. The Blessed Virgin herself revealed to St. Bridget that there is not on earth a sinner, however devoid he may be of the love of God, from whom the devil is not obliged immediately to fly if he invokes her holy name with a determination to repent. On another occasion, she repeated the same thing to the saint, saying, that all the devils venerate and fear her name to such a degree that on hearing it they immediately loosen the claws with which they hold the soul captive. Our Blessed Lady also told St. Bridget that in the same way as the rebel angels fly from sinners who invoke the name of Mary, so also do the good angels approach nearer to just souls who pronounce her name with devotion. St. Germanus declares that as breathing is a sign of life, so also is the frequent pronunciation of the name of Mary a sign either of the life of divine grace or that it will soon come. For this powerful name has in it the virtue of obtaining help and life for him who invokes it devoutly. Addressing the Blessed Virgin, he says, As breathing is a sign of life in the body, so is the frequent repetition of thy most holy name, O Virgin, by thy servants, not only a sign of life and of strength, but also it procures and conciliates both. In fine, this admirable name of our Sovereign Lady, says Richard of St. Lawrence, is like a fortified tower, in which if a sinner takes refuge, he will be delivered from death, for it defends and saves even the most abandoned. But it is a tower of strength, which not only delivers sinners from chastisement, but also defends the just from the assaults of hell. Thus the same Richard says, that after the name of Jesus, there is no other in which men find such powerful assistance and salvation, as in the great name of Mary. He says, There is not such powerful help in any name, nor is there any other name given to men after that of Jesus, from which so much salvation is poured forth upon men, as from the name of Mary. Moreover, it is well known and is daily experienced by the clients of Mary that her powerful name gives the particular strength necessary to overcome temptations against purity. The same author, in his commentary on the words of St. Luke, and the Virgin's name was Mary, remarks that these two words, Mary and Virgin, are joined together by the evangelist to denote that the name of this most pure virgin should always be coupled with the virtue of chastity. Hence, St. Peter Chrysologus says that the name of Mary is an indication of chastity, meaning that when we doubt as to whether we have consented to thoughts against this virtue, if we remember having invoked the name of Mary, we have a certain proof that we have not sinned.
Let us therefore always take advantage of the beautiful advice given us by St. Bernard in these words. In dangers, in perplexities, in doubtful cases, think of Mary, call on Mary. Let her not leave thy lips, let her not depart from thy heart. In every danger of forfeiting divine grace, we should think of Mary and invoke her name, together with that of Jesus, for these two names always go together. Oh, then, never let us permit these two most sweet names to leave our hearts, or be off our lips, for they will give us strength not only not to yield, but to conquer all our temptations. Consoling indeed are the promises of help made by Jesus Christ to those who have devotion to the name of Mary. For one day, in the hearing of St. Bridget, he promised his Most Holy Mother that he would grant three special graces to those who invoke that holy name with confidence. First, that he would grant them perfect sorrow for their sins. Second, that their crimes should be atoned for. And thirdly, strength to attain perfection and at length the glory of paradise. And then our divine Savior added, For thy words, O my mother, are so sweet and agreeable to me that I cannot deny what thou askest. St. Ephraim goes so far as to say that the name of Mary is the key of the gates of heaven, in the hands of those who devoutly invoke it. And thus it is not without reason that St. Bonaventure says that Mary is the salvation of all who call upon her. For he addresses her, saying, O salvation of all who invoke thee, meaning that to obtain eternal salvation and invoke her name are synonymous, and Richard of St. Lawrence affirms that the devout invocation of this sweet and holy name leads to the acquisition of superabundant graces in this life, and a very high degree of glory in the next. If then, O brethren, concludes Thomas A. Kempis, you desire consolation in every labor, have recourse to Mary, invoke the name of Mary, honor Mary, recommend yourselves to Mary, rejoice with Mary, weep with Mary, pray with Mary, walk with Mary, seek Jesus with Mary, in fine, desire to live and die with Jesus and Mary. By acting thus, you will always advance in the ways of God, for Mary will most willingly pray for you, and the Son will most certainly grant all that his mother asks. Thus we see that the most holy name of Mary is sweet indeed to her clients during life, on account of the very great graces she obtains for them. But sweeter still will it be to them in death, on account of the tranquil and holy end that it will ensure them. Father Satorius Caputo exhorted all who assist the dying frequently to pronounce the name of Mary. For this name of life and hope, when repeated at the hour of death, suffices to put the devils to flight and to comfort such persons in their sufferings. St. Camillus of Lellis also recommended his religious, in the strongest terms, to remind the dying frequently to invoke the names of Jesus and Mary. This was his own custom when attending others, but oh, how sweetly did he practice it himself on his deathbed. For then he pronounced the beloved names of Jesus and Mary with such tenderness that he inflamed even those who heard him with love, and at length, with his eyes fixed on their venerated images and his arms in the form of a cross, the saint breathed forth his soul with an air of holiness and in the midst of heavenly peace, and in the very moment that he was pronouncing those sweet names. The invocation of the sacred names of Jesus and Mary, says Thomas A. Kempis, is a short prayer, which is as sweet to the mind and as powerful to protect those who use it against the enemies of their salvation, as it is easy to remember. Blessed is the man who loves thy name, O Mary, exclaims St. Bonaventure. Yes, truly blessed is he who loves thy sweet name, O Mother of God. For, he continues, thy name is so glorious and admirable that no one who remembers it has any fears at the hour of death. Such is its power that none of those who invoke it at the hour of death fear the assaults of their enemies. Oh, that we may end our lives as did the Capuchin father Fulgentius of Ascoli, who expired singing, O Mary, O Mary, the most beautiful of creatures, let us depart together. 
or like Blessed Henry the Cistercian, who expired in the very moment that he was pronouncing the most sweet name of Mary. Let us then, O devout reader, beg God to grant us that at death the name of Mary may be the last word on our lips. This was the prayer of St. Germanus. May the last movement of my tongue be to pronounce the name of the Mother of God. O sweet, O safe is that death which is accompanied and protected by such a saving name. For God only grants the grace of invoking it to those whom he is about to save. O my sweet lady and mother, I love thee much, and because I love thee, I also love thy holy name. I propose and hope, with thy assistance, always to invoke it during life and at death, and to conclude with the tender prayer of St. Bonaventure. I ask thee, O Mary, for the glory of thy name, to come and meet my soul when it is departing from this world, and to take it in thine arms. Disdain not, O Mary, the saint continues, to come then and comfort me with thy presence. Be thyself my soul's ladder and way to heaven. Do thou thyself obtain for it the grace of forgiveness and eternal repose. He then concludes, saying, O Mary, our advocate, it is for thee to defend thy clients and to undertake their cause before the tribunal of Jesus Christ. Example Father Roe and also Father Lirius relate that in Gelderland about the year 1465, there was a young woman named Mary who was one day sent by her uncle to the city of Nijmegen to market. He desired her to purchase different things and to spend the night with an aunt who dwelt there. The girl executed the commissions, but in the evening, on presenting herself at her aunt's house, she was refused admittance and obliged to make the best of her way home. Night came on whilst she was on the road, and in a great passion she called on the devil with a loud voice to assist her. She had scarcely done so when he appeared to her under the form of a man and promised to help her, provided she would do one thing. I will do anything, replied the unfortunate creature. All that I require, said the enemy, is that you should no longer make the sign of the cross, and that you should change your name. As to the sign of the cross, said the girl, I will no more make it, but my name of Mary is too dear to me. I will never change it. Then I will not help you, said the devil. At length, after much disputing, it was agreed that she should be called by the first letter of the name of Mary, that is, M. On this arrangement they started for Antwerp, and there the poor wretch remained with this wicked companion for seven years, leading a most shameful life and a scandal to all. One day she told the devil she wished to see her country once more. The enemy opposed it, but was at length obliged to yield. On entering Nijmegen, they found that a theatrical piece was being performed representing the life of the Blessed Virgin. On seeing it, the poor M began to weep, having still preserved a spark of devotion towards the Mother of God. "'What are we doing here?' exclaimed her companion. Are we also to act a comedy? And at the same time, he endeavored to drive her from the place. She resisted, but he, seeing that he was already losing her, in a passion raised her in the air and cast her to the ground in the midst of the theater. The poor creature then related all that had happened. She went to confession to the parish priest, but he sent her to the bishop of Cologne, and the bishop referred her to the pope, who, after having heard her confession, imposed upon her as a penance that she should always wear three circlets of iron, one round her neck and two round her arms. The penitent obeyed, and on reaching Maastricht, she shut herself up in a convent of penitents, and lived there for fourteen years in the exercise of the most rigorous mortification. One morning, on rising from her bed, she found that the three circlets had broken of their own accord, and two years afterwards she died in the odor of sanctity, and desired to be buried with those three circlets of iron, which, from being a slave of hell, had transformed her into a happy captive of her benefactress. Prayer O great mother of God and my mother Mary, it is true that I am unworthy to name thee, 
But thou, who lovest me and desirest my salvation, must, notwithstanding the impurity of my tongue, grant that I may always invoke thy most holy and powerful name in my aid. For thy name is the succor of the living and the salvation of the dying. Ah, most pure Mary, most sweet Mary, grant that from henceforth thy name may be the breath of my life. O lady, delay not to help me when I invoke thee, for in all the temptations which assail me and in all my wants, I will never cease calling upon thee and repeating again and again, Mary, Mary. Thus it is that I hope to act during my life, and more particularly at death, that after that last struggle I may eternally praise thy beloved name in heaven, O clement, O pious, O sweet Virgin Mary. Ah, Mary, most amiable Mary, with what consolation, what sweetness, what confidence, what tenderness is my soul penetrated in only naming, in only thinking of thee. I thank my Lord and God, who for my good has given thee a name so sweet and deserving of love, and at the same time so powerful. But, my sovereign lady, I am not satisfied with only naming thee. I wish to name thee with love. I desire that my love may every hour remind me to call on thee, so that I may be able to exclaim with St. Bonaventure, O name of the mother of God, thou art my love. My own dear Mary, O my beloved Jesus, may your most sweet names reign in my heart, and in all hearts. Grant that I may forget all others to remember and always invoke your adorable names alone. Ah, Jesus, my Redeemer, and my mother Mary, when the moment of death comes, in which I must breathe forth my soul and leave this world, deign through your merits to grant that I may then pronounce my last words, and that they may be, I love thee, O Jesus, I love thee, O Mary. To you do I give my heart and my soul. All right, and that's where we'll stop with our reading for today and conclude the first part of The Glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus Liguori. I really like the way St. Alphonsus decided to end this first part of the book, focusing on the name of Mary and the great importance of invoking her name with confidence. It's so wonderful how we have such a simple yet so powerful means of fighting off the temptations of the enemy, just to simply say the name of Mary with confidence, with love, with devotion in our times of need, in our times of temptation, is a sure way for us to put the devils to flight and to renew our confidence in Our Lady. Remembering that no matter what hardship we may be going through, she's watching over us as our good mother. And though we may find ourselves in scary and dangerous situations, especially when the enemy is tempting us to sin, or even to get us to grow lukewarm in our devotions, to be slow to get to our prayers, or, or trying to get us to omit our duties, we can simply call upon the name of Our Lady like a child does its mother when it's in need. And how often do we find ourselves in need, especially as we labor here below in this valley of tears? What a consolation it is to know how much we can depend upon Our Lady to be there for us in our times of need. That even though we may not feel her presence, she is surely watching over us, listening to our prayers, and looking for those opportunities to help us. And we've reflected on these types of things all throughout reading the first part of The Glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus Liguori. So many beautiful truths, so many important reminders. I hope for all of the listeners, as we've gone through this wonderful journey, We've understood that Our Lady is truly our mother, and that she cares for us, loves us, watches over us, and protects us like a true mother, the best of mothers. We've reflected in so many different ways about the power of her intercession, the great love that she has for us, the many, many different reasons as to why we should have confidence in her, as to why we should love her. But I hope that moving forward in all of our lives, we can all remember that we have a spiritual mother in heaven who looks out for us in all of our needs and truly does love us more than we know. 
so many reasons to be thankful to God for having given us Mary to be our spiritual mother, to be our queen, to be our protectress, to be our mediatrix, and we have so many reasons to have confidence in her powerful intercession, and to remember, like we read today, that even though we may find ourselves under the weight of the trials and crosses of this life, we can call upon our Blessed Mother, that name more powerful than all other names after that of our Lord Jesus. We can call upon our Lord and Our Lady frequently, often, throughout the day, and have full confidence that they will be there to help us. Well, since this is the last episode of this little journey that we've been on through this first part of the book, I thought it would be nice in a little sort of summary way to kind of go through the prayer, the Hail Holy Queen, ourselves in a manner where we kind of reflect upon the different things that the glories of Mary taught us and briefly remind ourselves of the different things that we reflected on as we went through each of these chapters, each of the phrases of this beautiful prayer. In chapter 1, Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, we reflected on how great should be our confidence in Mary, who is the Queen of Mercy, and how much our confidence in Mary should be increased from the fact of her being our mother, reading as well on the greatness of the love with which this mother bears us, and that we remember as well that Mary is the mother of penitent sinners. In chapter 2, Our Life, Our Sweetness, we reflected on how Mary is our life because she obtains us the pardon of our sins, that she is also our life because she obtains us perseverance, and that she renders death sweet to her clients. In chapter 3, Our Hope, we saw how Mary is the hope of all, and that she is the hope of sinners. In chapter 4, To Thee Do We Cry, Poor Banished Children of Eve, we read about the promptitude of Mary in assisting those who invoke her, and of the greatness of the power of Mary to defend those who invoke her when tempted by the devil. In chapter 5, To Thee Do We Sigh, Mourning and Weeping in This Valley of Tears, we listen to St. Alphonsus Liguori's wonderful words explaining the necessity of the intercession of Mary for our salvation. In chapter 6, O Gracious Advocate, we reflected on that Mary is an advocate who is able to save all, and that Mary is so tender an advocate that she does not refuse to defend the cause even of the most miserable, and that Mary is the peacemaker between sinners and God. In chapter 7, Turn Then Thine Eyes of Mercy Towards Us, we read how Mary is all eyes to pity and succor us in our necessities. In chapter 8, And after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. We read that wonderful threefold chapter, helping us to understand how Mary delivers her clients from hell, succors her clients in purgatory, and how she leads her servants to heaven. In chapter 9, O Clement, O Pius, we read of the greatness of the clemency and compassion of Mary, and today, here in chapter 10, O Sweet Virgin Mary, we read about the sweetness of the name of Mary during life and at death. So hopefully we can remember a lot of those sentiments as we pray the Hail Holy Queen prayer as we do so frequently throughout our life, daily in our rosaries and after Mass, and say that prayer with extra love and devotion and confidence in our Blessed Mother. Well, there's so much to be said about all that we've learned throughout these readings from the glories of Mary. I'm very glad we've all been able to go on this journey together, and I'm excited to move into the next stage here on the Children of Our Lady podcast. I thank you all for your continued support. And I think we'll go ahead and conclude this episode first with our quote, which comes from our reading today from St. Bernard. And it reads, In dangers, in perplexities, in doubtful cases, think of Mary, call on Mary. Let her not leave thy lips. Let her not depart from thy heart. 
and I think it would be most fitting for our prayer today to offer to Our Lady the Hail Holy Queen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To Thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping, in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, Thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of Thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Louis de Montfort, pray for us. St. Alphonsus de Liguori, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, I thank you all, as always, for coming by to today's episode of the Children of Our Lady podcast, brought to you by the Catholic Family Podcast. God bless you all, and Mary keep you.